So I think mindset really does go back to it a million times because if you are always focused on the negative about something or be like, oh, I have to do this or I like really need to get this done, but like you're looking at it as a negative, then that can definitely be just kind of like a just kind of sucks you dry. But when you take it and you look at it as an opportunity to get another piece of business or be like, I have an opportunity to give this client a piece of value or whatever it is, and you look at it that way, it definitely makes a huge difference. And Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today I have Hannah Klein on the show, and we're going to talk about the transition from going from TC to agent to franchise owner and how she's growing and scaling and, and you know continuing to revamp herself. So as an owner of a first-class uh, franchise and as a TC, you have some stories to share with us about the real estate experiences. Take us in. What's the craziest transaction you've had so far? Um, one of the craziest transactions I have had to date is... Um, one of the ones, um, after I was an agent myself, uh, we found that there was cast iron pipes in the house during the inspection and we had to redo the inspection a couple times. So it was kind of a crazy, crazy transaction. It was a lot of fun though, but we got new pipes put into the house. Um, there's another one that we have if we're done. going to the next one, you had to redo the inspection. What does redo the inspection yeah. mean? So we had to go back a couple times because, um, when we were doing the inspections, we found out during the inspection that um, there was blockage in the pipes. So we had to wait, they had to like pump out the pipes and do some different things with it. So it was very stressful at the time, but looking back, it was definitely a crazy transaction, but it was a lot of fun because we, everyone was able to walk away at the end of the day and be successful and happy. So I'm very happy with the turnout of it, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Cool. And you were about to tell us a second story. Oh yeah. So this was back when I was a TC and we got um, a complaint because apparently the dog of our client was jumping into the pond and eating the fish out of the pond. And we were like, what is happening right now? <laughs> we could not believe that was happening. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a very interesting one because that was not the type of phone call we were expecting to expecting to get definitely now you have a degree in psychology you love mindsets and one of the things i'm super excited to talk to you about has your psychology degree prepared you for the for the field of real estate oh yeah definitely so i will say it's all personalities and you can use psychology for literally anything in life so i think one of the things that my degree definitely helped me with is just recognizing that there are a million different types of personalities and people you're going to deal with so it definitely has played a role in just understanding people and their different backgrounds and how not everyone is going to think the same way i do which is i know super super shocking but uh, it definitely helps with just understanding that the mindset of different people and being like, okay, if they are going to be focused or some different item is going to be really important to them, then I need to make sure to keep that in mind or how their personalities work and how I need to approach them 
because some people are going to be very analytical. So they're going to want just facts and knowledge. And some people, they're definitely more on the emotional side. So I have to be able to take that into consideration. So it definitely does play a role and it's been very helpful. Cool. Well, I'm glad you threw out the number million because I love math. And so there's a million personalities out there. I know all these assessments are trying to break it down into like, well, these four are the most similar. What frameworks did you learn in college that you feel like have been helpful to you? Um, there was one and I've always tried to remember the name of it, but it broke down, um, whether you were an introvert or an extrovert. And then it broke down if you were more of an emotional style person, more analytical and, um, different things like that. So it was a breakdown chart of, it's very similar to a disc, uh, personality assessment. Um, it was just the acronyms were a little bit different. But that one um, is really, really helpful. And people actually, um, they say to take it every few years because uh, things change for you and you grow as a person. So some things will be a little bit more different for you. Like mine, because I took it in college. And when I took it in college, it was um, very extroverted. And um, I was more kind of emotional based back then. But now I'm still kind of extroverted, but I'm much more of an analytical uh, type thinker um, after definitely being in business and things. So yeah, those are definitely very helpful. So that sounds like a little bit Myers-Briggs, like the- Yes, Myers-Briggs, Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So now that is helpful because you're essentially putting people in different categories, right? And, and so would you say introversion, extroversion is the most important category to analyze or- in the Myers-Briggs, what's, what's the most important thing? Hmm. Um, with Myers-Briggs, there's it breaks it down because you can be introverted, but you can still be very successful in the business field. It's all about really how you interpret and how you use that knowledge about yourself and how you use that to execute. Because you can be the most introverted person, but you can still be highly successful as long as you understand how that impacts yourself and how your mindset is. So really the difference between introversion and extroversion is how you get re-energized. So for an extrovert, as when you're around other people, you just get super excited and you're just energized and you can keep going, going and going. Whereas an introverted person, their interactions or their ability to interact with a lot of other people is going to be more limited because they're already up here with their, I guess their cup is already filled up pretty high. Whereas an extroverted person, their cup is much lower. So they can have a whole lot more to be filled up. So an extra or an introverted person will need to go and spend some time just by themselves or just quiet to just kind of recharge. And then they're ready to go again. So, okay. I want to ask you a psychological question and I'm not sure if you guys covered this in schooling, but I know some people, I might be one of them that are extroverted. Like we get our energy from people, but we can be antisocial if the topics aren't aligned with our passions. Like, is this something that you guys covered extroverted and yet sometimes antisocial? Yeah. So they say there's a third option, which is called an ambivert. I, this was like years ago. So I have to honestly research it more again, but basically it means that you can be an extroverted introvert or an introverted extrovert. So it's, Yes, you can be that way. And a lot of it is also going to do if the topic interests you, you'll definitely be way more interested and want to spend more time with it. But it's also going to be if the topic is not interesting, you don't see the value in it, then you're just ready to go do something else. So yeah, I think there is so, some merit with that. 
So let's talk about that because I mean, I could feel this. If I'm around a topic I love, my energy is through the roof. Like what oh, we're yeah. talking about right now. If it's not like I could, I could lose my energy in seconds. So would you say that, is it fair or is it fair to say that all people are like that? If they're, if they're on the topic, they want to be on, they're energized and vice versa. I would say there definitely is some merit. I mean, I'm not an expert by any means on it, but just from my own experience of, yeah, like we're on the subject of psychology. So I'm a definite psych nerd. So I can definitely, like, I'm already super excited and I can be going at this for hours. But yeah, I definitely think so. And I think part of it too is when you're passionate about something, you want to be investing more time, energy, and effort into it. So if you're not passionate about it or it doesn't interest you, it can be really hard for you to want to do something. Um, like you can just think of it as like a project. When you got a project that you're super excited about, you're going to spend a ton of time working on it. And I think it also is goes back to that saying of if something's important for you, you'll make time to do it and you'll be excited and you'll get it done super quick. But if it's one of those things that you're like, eh, I don't really want to do it, it's going to be hard to get yourself to do it. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the ways, because I mean, energy is a really important thing, I think, to talk about, because if you have a lot of energy, then you have the capacity to produce a lot and be very successful in business, which is what we're trying to help our investors and agents do. What are some of the ways, psychologically speaking, that you've seen people either make steps to improve their energy or things that maybe suck, take away from their energy? So I think mindset really does go back to it a million times because if you are always focused on the negative about something or be like, oh, I have to do this or I like really need to get this done, but like you're looking at it as a negative, then that can definitely be just kind of like a just kind of sucks you dry. But if you take everything and look at it as an opportunity for something. So um, like back when I was an agent and I didn't always want to make lead calls or follow up with my pipelines to be like, oh, they're probably going to ignore me or they're not going to pick up or you're just kind of looking at it as a negative. But when you take it and you look at it as an opportunity to get another piece of business or be like, I have an opportunity to give this client a piece of value or whatever it is, and you look at it that way, it definitely makes a huge difference. And as long as you're focusing more on like how you can positively impact someone or something like that, it definitely helps. So what about, I mean, people will say like, well, I mean, I, I gotta be realistic, right? I can't just have a pie in the sky mindset. So well, what yeah. place is there for realism versus optimism? Um, I mean, that's actually a really good question. I got to think about that one for a second. I mean, you definitely want to be realistic. And I think part of it too is more of you just don't give up rather than like having like, oh, everything's going to work out or just like always positive. I think you can definitely be positive about stuff, but you can also be realistic with your goals about everything. So I think it's more of the goals you set for yourself and what you're trying to achieve rather than saying like, okay, I'm going to make 100 phone calls, and if I only make 50, then I see that as a failure. And I was actually listening to, oh my goodness, I cannot remember what it was, but they were talking about um, the goals and how failure isn't really a real thing because you're looking at the framework of how you set it up. So like if you only, you're supposed to make 100 phone calls, but you made 50, like, yeah, you didn't hit your goal, but you still made 50 phone calls. So you have to still take it as a small win, not the big win, but you can still take it as a small win and a step forward rather than focusing on the negative. 
Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Yeah. You made the transition from being a transaction coordinator to being an agent. That is a hard transaction or transition, I should say, for a lot of TCs. Like, mm -hmm. what do you think led you to be successful in, you know, going on the sales side? So I think for me is the transition wasn't right away. So I had a pretty, I had a pretty significant break. It was several months um, between when I was a TC and when I made the transition to an agent. So I think that definitely helped. Um, the other thing was I enjoyed the sales side of real estate. So that was definitely made it a whole lot easier. I think the other thing that was really challenging was understanding that, okay, I'm the, t I'm no longer the TC. So, um, it's like not just the paperwork I have to worry about. It's, oh, if there's negotiations or anything like that, it's like, oh, that's my job to do this time. I am not just providing information to, uh, my agents. I actually have to do that. So there was definitely a learning curve. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I did that I had to do for myself was give myself a lot of grace because I'm a huge perfectionist. So that was something that I definitely had to just be like, okay, it doesn't have to be perfect all the time. As long as I'm doing a wonderful job for my clients and we're making things happen and we're continually moving forward, then we're doing good. And I'm always going to be learning something with real estate because this market and field is ever changing. So giving myself a lot of grace for it and giving my permi myself permission to mess up sometimes was definitely a huge help. Yeah. And you began the process of being an agent after you had just done a move, right? You'd moved from California yeah. to Florida. So you're picking up business in a new, I mean, some people might be thinking, well, oh, it's going to be easy for her because she's already been a TC. She has all these relationships, but that's not the case. You flew across the country and started your business. Yeah. So I grew up in California. That's where I was the TC and I really enjoyed doing it, but um, I knew I didn't want to stay in California. Um, I just wanted to start over somewhere else. And the opportunity presented itself for me to move to Florida and in January of 2020, which was a very interesting time to move, not going to lie. Um, mm -hmm. I moved and then I started the process in the spring, right as COVID was happening and becoming a much bigger issue in the United States. And because at, at the time I was looking for work to do and real estate became an opportunity again for me. 
And then in the summer is when I actually achieved my license. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was crazy because COVID was definitely very, very prominent at the time. And uh, like I said, I did not have a sphere of influence at all to work from. I had a couple family members here, but other than that, I knew nobody. So I definitely got to meet a lot of people very quickly. And what was your process to generate business? So my broker provided um, some leads for us at the time. And then there were uh, different lead referral programs that I opted into. And then we had uh, referrals that came in through uh, my brokerage at the time. So me at the time when I first started business, I was not really picky with where the business came from because I didn't have anything to work. So I looked at everything as an opportunity to close business and get future referrals from. Uh, because again, I didn't have business, so I was not picky. And if I had to pay an extra split or referral fees, I didn't really care because again, I was hungry for business and I wanted to work. Yeah. What type of leads were they providing you? Um, my broker had some personal leads that, uh, she was handing out because she was, uh, kind of in that transition of stepping out of business and not really, uh, focusing so much on her own personal production and helping her agents. Go. And then uh, we had referrals from outside agents that came through. And again, I was happy to take those on because I wanted the business. And then we were on um, different lead programs like Opsity. So I took those because again, I didn't care about paying referral fees. I wanted the business. Very, very cool. Shortly after, so you start having some success shortly after you buy a franchise, a lot of people might take more years, take some time, think about it. What led you to go into the broker world so fast? So me, I saw it as an opportunity because I knew I didn't want to be an agent forever. I knew I loved real estate, so I wanted to do something more in real estate, but I knew staying an agent and an active production wasn't going to be my end goal. And my original thought process was going to be taking a lot longer to actually um, do a brokerage idea or buy a brokerage. Um, but the opportunity presented itself again um, with me to do it very quickly after um, getting into the business. And um, in doing that, I got connected with a whole lot of amazing people that just had a lot of extra support. And I knew that if I got in with the right group of people, I wouldn't fail. Yeah. And how, and so you bought in the first class. How'd you get connected to Ryan? Um, through my broker that I was at. Um, so the brokerage I was uh, at when I first got licensed was a first class brokerage. And then um, she provided the opportunity and talked to me about it and then just kind of got invested more and more. And I really what sold me on it was the business model and how easy and I could really run it however I wanted to. I could run it a very, very small, or I could grow it massively. It's really however you want to run it was how I was able to. And the cost was very, very minimal as well, because I had done well, but um, I didn't have like a several hundred thousand dollars um, to buy into some of the other franchise because those there are some that are very expensive. So I made it just very simple and easy. And again, the group that I got connected with was absolutely amazing. So I it was crazy to buy in as early as I did, but I don't regret it at the end of the day. So what led you to buy into a franchise as opposed to just starting a brokerage from scratch? 
So one of the biggest things was, again, the support and all of the information and technology and systems that they already provide. So it really came down to cost and looking at everything because they have everything kind of already set to go for you. So they've got like the transaction management, they've got a CRM, they've got training, they've got marketing materials, a lot of stuff that I would have spent thousands and thousands of dollars on to purchase or get ready for myself. And then just the monthly cost of maintaining it was really what sold me on it because they made the, they make the costs incredibly minimal. So it was very easy for me to be able to afford it. And I could still stay in production to make sure that all my bills were getting paid while I was getting the brokerage up and running. So again, it just made it very simple and easy. And it was one of those things where you don't want to say no to the opportunity just because it makes you nervous. Totally. So now that you're on the other side, you've increased your partnership. Not only did you buy the franchise, you partnered with some other people. What are some of the benefits that you've seen so far in partnering with some amazing people as opposed to running it solo? Definitely just the extra support and not having to do everything myself. Cause I can tell you when you're partnered with the right people, it makes everything run so much smoother because when I was running it all by myself, you are by yourself. You don't have any extra support or if there's something you want to do, but it's not one of your super strong suits, then you can either have to pay someone to do it. And then if you ever make changes to it, then you have to go pay them again to do it. Whereas when you have a really good partnership, everyone can be working in their own strengths. So for me, I'm fairly tech savvy, but there are some things with technology and just like automations and stuff that I do not thrive in. But one of the people that I work with now, that is one of his main areas of expertise. It's something he does extremely well and very easily. Whereas me, it would take me like a year <laughs> to do something like that. Yeah. How fun. What do you see as being your big vision? Like what's the five or 10 year vision for Hannah? Yeah, absolutely. So we're doing a lot of growth in Georgia and Florida, and I foresee us growing into other states eventually as well. And really, it's just going to be helping as many agents as possible because I've seen how how quickly I my life was impacted through real estate and how much I was able to accomplish. So I would love to maybe not like the same path, but if I'm able to provide similar opportunities or opportunities for other agents to find success in real estate, that's really what I love about what I do now. So what would be your message to transaction coordinators that maybe are sitting in a similar spot? Would you recommend they go on the sell side? Would you recommend they just kind of get their license and go straight to being a broker? What would be your message to TCs? I mean, for a TC, it's if you love real estate and you want to get into sales, don't be afraid to do it. I think that's the biggest thing is that I found to be kind of a big motivator was if I was nervous to do something because I was scared of failing at it, then I knew I probably needed to do it because fear of failure isn't a reason to not do something. So like it's a def definitely a transition, but you can be very successful at it. So I would say, don't be afraid to do it. Just go do it. You'll be great at it. Yeah. If money were no object for you, if you had a billion dollars in the bank and a lot of cash flow, a hundred lifetimes of cash flow, what would you, how would you structure your life? How would I structure my life? Oh, that's a fun one. I mean, I would probably still be doing something real estate related. Um, just 
I'd probably do more investment side of real estate because um, I really do love it. And I find um, it's just a lot of fun to me in general. Um, yeah, that would definitely be part of it. Um, I would definitely be doing something business related for sure. Um, even if it's not uh, real estate focused, uh, just because I do love that and the structure of business and different things. Um, I'd probably be doing something charitable as well because I do love being able to make a positive impact in my community and working with others. So definitely philanthropy would be a big part of it as well if I had that kind of cash flow. Love it. And what's your goal? What do you want to accomplish in the next like 12 to 18 months? I think one of the big things is getting um, our non-producing agents producing. So, I mean, you're always going to have those that don't produce. So I would love to be getting them at least one deal a month would be a, a huge goal because we get a lot of agents um, to our brokerage that have never produced before or they're just licensed or they've only produced a little bit. So that's a huge thing for us because we have all the best systems and tools to help them get producing. So if, as long as they follow the path and we do everything we can to help them. So I would love to see that as a goal in the next 12 to 18 months. Awesome. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for sharing about your journey from California to Florida, your journey from being a TC all the way to a brokerage owner. I'm excited to see how these partnerships play out, how you continue to expand. But thank you again for sharing. Guys, if you're out there listening, write down something that you learned, whether it's your, how to go from being a TC to a broker donor, how to implement some of these things, maybe some of the psychology that we talked about today. But write it down, share with somebody know so that they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you'll be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 